shall we begin? Hey everyone, and welcome to Legion Quest. I'm trapped in a box of my own emotions, and they call me Zach Jenkins, and with me, as always from across the pond, is my rational mind, Matt Sibley. Matt, how you doing today? Very happy to be called rational. <laughs> <laughs> so we're on uh, episode 7, chapter 7 yeah, of Legion, penultimate. We got quite a few answers. Look, a lesser show will do an exposition dump and you'll hate it. Mm. This does an exposition dump and I was on the edge of my seat. Yeah, I think it's because, like, the this episode kind of reveals, like, it's like a story which people could have guessed straight away, but... And some of us did. Yeah. And so, like, well, more like if, if it was in the first episode and someone mentioned the Shadow King, someone probably could have been like, okay, he went after Xavier and then blah, blah, blah. But with the show kind of aware of that, it seems like they kind of chose to innovate in other ways through visual quality, which is, like, all of the chalkboard stuff. Right. And let's be clear, I know we talked about it last week, but in the episode officially, we get our confirmation that the yellow-eyed devil, Lenny, King, the world's angriest boy in the world, whatever entity parasite has been haunting David, is in fact Amal Farouk, the Shadow King. Now, Matt, how do you feel about the Shadow King, just in general? Um, yes, I'm disappointed it's not Mojo, but that's a... Uh... <laughs> We're all disappointed it's not yeah. Mojo. I I think the way that the show's kind of borrowed so, so deep into David's mind shows how big of a threat the Shadow King is, mm -hmm. and the fact that we've kind of, we've been like episode three when we talked about how claustrophobic it felt. Like we've really been exposed to the horror which you would expect if your mind was under such torment. Right. No, that's good. I mean, I'll tell you, I have not been the world's biggest Shadow King fan in my comics reading. Mm. But I'm real, real interested in how they're handling him here. Hmm. Like, I think I maybe, mean, just... maybe because of the way that, like, TV can kind of put you in someone's headspace easier. Mm -hmm. Like, with comics, obviously, everything is comprised of panels, which, you know, like, are the equivalent of frames, but it's more difficult to show like oh this is someone's point of view whereas right. here like we can put a camera where someone's head would be yeah i mean i don't think i would have ever said the shadow king's a character that would work better in a visual medium like or a moving medium like film mm. or tv or whatever but noah hawley proved me real real wrong so <laughs> good on him mm. but it should you know, be he, he definitely deserves praise for the fact that he's well, even, like, the fact that he took the devil with the yellow eyes, which is quite a grotesque concept in the way that it was portrayed, but there are also sometimes, like, the comb-over. It's like, this is ridiculous, and in the wrong context, we we could be laughing at this. Yeah. Yeah, we could. Oh, so good. But, Amal Farouk, the Shadow King, is not the only reveal we get tonight. Okay, we can't... Can we call it a reveal at this point? Like... I... Th it, it's a reveal to, I guess, people who weren't aware of Legion's relation to the wider X-Universe. And... I, I think that's fair. And I think for me, it's hard to get that context as someone else. Because yeah. I am 
just so deeply, deeply dove? Divin? What? I don't know how to conjugate that properly, and I speak this language. Submerged? It's like we chose other words when things didn't make sense. Man, <laughs> good job, English writers. Yes, I am so deeply submerged in X-Men minutia and continuity that it's just, you know, secondary to me. Oh, yeah, 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 Charles Xavier, he does this, this, this. He fought the Shadow King back in Uncanny 117, managed him to the Astral Plane. He possessed Legion on the Muir Island Saga, so they have a little bit of a history thing. But, hmm. yeah, we we see a wheelchair wheel is what we see. Yeah. I don't even want to say coffee. We see a wheelchair wheel with a big ol' X on it. Because mm-hmm. if Charles Xavier is one thing, it's not modest. Confined to a I don't wheelchair. Know what it is. He is also confined to a wheelchair. Yes. He's bald. He sits in a wheelchair. He's kind of a jerk sometimes. Hmm. I had a feeling and they were going to do something about it this episode because of the... I don't know why. I, just, I saw like the Legion logo and I was like, is this the first time they've had the X for a while? I feel like they've had the X every time. Mm. Or it seemed, it seemed to like come in later then. I was, it did. It was yeah. pronounced. Hmm. I, I remember thinking, oh yeah, wait, where's the X? Oh, there it is. There it is. But So they have that, and then later when David uh, David goes through and kind of lays this out for himself, he draws, quote, his father as a bald man in a suit, hmm. and then does a little British voice describing him. A little, yeah. not Dan Stevens' natural accent British voice. Like an American a, imitating. Yeah, it was a Dan Stevens doing a Patrick Stewart <laughs> British voice. Yeah. Which so. I'm not saying Patrick Stewart's going to show up on this show. In fact, if we see Xavier, we're going to see, I imagine, a silhouette of him or a different actor because he has such a distinct visual style. Yeah. You can set that up pretty easily. Hmm. I think but now it's cool. pretty exciting to see exactly how they'll do it. And because like there are signs pointing like if he's doing the voice, is it Patrick Stewart? And there was that time they were on the talk show, but like there's, isn't, there's no guarantee yet. Yeah, but and like, I mean, the possibility. I'll tell you, I know at the beginning of the show, I talked about how you know I'm okay that there's not a lot of X-Men connections. I'm okay hmm. that this is doing its own thing. We're seven episodes in. This show has established its own universe, its own visual style. It's done its thing, and now it's saying, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna bring these things that a handful of you know and love into this universe and do our spin on them." And it gets me th- so excited. Yeah, I thought that's the way that Spurrier's legacy run worked as well, because it was the first start getting us used to David being at war with his mind, and then it brought in the fact that Xavier had died in Avengers vs X Men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I'm really liking how they approach it. I know some fans wanted essentially Jim Lee-ass X-Men running around episode one, and that was never going to happen here, and they played with it so well. Hmm. So this episode starts about where the last one ended. Uh, yeah, the, Harry... the timeline's like a little bit not like yeah. completely continuous. We're jumping a little bit back to overlap. It's super weird that this in the last episode take place in milliseconds yeah oh, that's like good, well, i mean it's like when people merged all of the stuff from inception together and then you have like the fourth sequence running at like times eight speed well can i tell you the one thing i really like about that how it's happening all in you know such a tiny 
fraction of a second. Mm-hmm. It's showing just how big these battles on the astral plane can be. Yeah. Because normally, you know, when you uh when you see that done in comics, it's either done it's done one of two ways. You either have you know, characters standing there with their eyes closed and their hands on their temples and the mm. other characters commenting, oh, this is this big mental battle. And then someone will roll their eyes and say, I don't see him doing anything. And then someone will mm. fall over. <laughs> or you go into, you know, they say, we're going to go into the mine and then the colors get a little purpler. And then it's just people fighting in the mind. Like uh, X-Men Apocalypse did yes, the uh, same yeah. thing. When they went uh, in the final battle, Xavier and Apocalypse battle in the astral plane, mm. and then Gene comes and blows them all away. But it's a physical fight. This is straight up a mental, you know, chess game yeah. taking place over weeks, and it's awesome. Like I love that representation. Yeah, like it kind of demonstrates a precision, and then the way that as we start getting closer and closer to being back in the room while it's all frozen, the pace gets quicker and we're, we're cross-cutting a lot more through the different locations. Yeah. So, one of the, one of the locations we cut to is uh, Oliver and, you know, Dr. Carey, hmm. who, uh, they found each other in the last episode, and they sit down. They were old friends. Oliver, uh, doesn't fully realize that, like, he senses no. something. Like, I know this guy. His memory's a little off. And there's yeah, I mean, gaps. And they're like, what's the word? Dishes? Hmm. He is just out there, and he's okay with it. Yeah. But it's, you know, you can tell Carrie's like, oh, I knew this guy. He's a little lost. Yeah, it's they... quite a startling thing, which, which, like, by itself would be shocking, but when everything's going on it's it's probably lower down the list yeah so those two sit down and they essentially do an episode of our podcast (laughs) they say okay here's what's happening here's what i think's happening let's go through they try and finish each other's sandwiches sentences oh my gosh i've watched frozen too many damn times and the whole thing's an arrested development joke on top of frozen so i don't even know how to go that wasn't even intentional that was just me <laughs> saying the words that I thought were supposed to come next. I'm keeping this in. But that's not so the point. Finishing sentences. <laughs> yeah, so Carrie keeps trying to finish sentences because he's so used to doing that with uh, Fighter Carrie. And it's not really working. He's out of sync. They both converge onto, hey, this is Amal Farouk, the Shadow King. Which means nothing to the audience in the context of this show. I want to be very clear. It means something to you. It means something to me. Giving a name to this entity just means they've encountered him before. Yeah. It's not really a name that's come up before, so it's not like a, oh, it's that guy, right? Yeah, so I'm I'm real interested to see, and they have to touch on this on the next episode, I'm sure. Yeah. But, hey, the Shadow King. If we've laid out what his deal with David is, why do these other people know him? Hmm. But they go through, you know, they do their exposition. Um, they call through this multiple times in this episode. Hmm. They, they play out, okay, this is the Shadow King. He's a really bad psychic parasite guy. And then they decide they have to get everyone together to stop this. 
So they grab a, or Carrie goes and starts to recruit all the other people who are in the uh, fake clockworks. Yeah, so he goes to Sid like we saw. Yeah, he talks to Sid, essentially runs her through the exposition again. One thing I really liked was the fact that she was already aware of that stuff and kind of immediately called him out on it. Yeah. Well, see, it was weird. So I know there's guys like you and me who are Mm. literally doing a podcast about this. So we think about Legion a lot. And even if we weren't, I assume you're a pretty thoughtful TV watcher. Like you're in film school. You probably put a little bit of mental power into this. I think about this a lot. So I would have already put the pieces together. I can understand someone who, you know, DVRs this show and picks it up in between running kids to soccer practice. Okay, yeah, we need this exposition. I get it. So, uh, at least at the start, it felt a little clunky to me. Mm, I think, I think it's because it's it was Oliver and Carrie, literally sitting down and talking. Whereas, like the later scene where David works it all out is a lot more visual and expressive. Yeah, and uh, we will get to talking about where David talks it all out in just a second. Because I want to, I want to establish where everyone else in Clockworks is. Yeah. Clock, yeah, we are in Clockworks. Yeah, we're so, in the, you know. Clockworks in quotation marks. <laughs> okay. So Carrie, Carrie gets Sid. He starts to try and find some other people, uh, and then he gives Sid these glasses that say she will be able to see through the illusion, see what's really happening. Hmm. Which it also turns everything into a very stylistic. Uh, black and white movie yeah it's like a reverse they live that's exactly what i had written down because it's friggin uh in clockworks what fighter carrie is trying to deal with she's running away from the eye hmm. and there's a bunch of zombie people yeah and, and so she's put on the glasses and realizes it's just the eye which yeah. would allow her to focus her efforts as opposed to fighting non-entities Right, so the zombies stop appearing, it turns into this black and white movie, and it's straight up reverse they live. Hmm. Like, right when she gets handed the sunglasses, my notes say, they live sunglasses, and then two <laughs> lines later it says, reverse they live sunglasses. <laughs> also, like, a weird, just a weird thing while we're here is, like, the fact that they, they have this conversation in a messenger tube. Is that is that a British thing? Because it seemed like just a weird prop. Uh, are we... That we had like a opticians near my house, and so top floor and downstairs floor and things used to be able to get sent through it. Like he'd put it in like the little. Thing oh, like the pneumatic. Yeah, yes. like yeah. Pneumatic you guys just have a different name for it. Yeah, it's the. We just we use them at banks mostly for drive-throughs. Oh, okay. Which wait, do they have drive-through banks in Britain? I know things are a lot tighter there, so not as much I, space. But I've never seen one. Oh yeah. Like, do, do, do you mean drive-throughs in like? As if, like, you could go to a fast food restaurant and get... Yeah, like, I pull my car up, they send me a tube, and I'm like, hey, I need to cash this check, or I need to pull, you know, 50 bucks out of my checking account or something. Okay, yeah, we don't have that, as far as I know. Fun fact in America, you can drive almost anywhere and have a good time. (laughs) I once, uh, one of my uh, cousin-in-laws, they were visiting, Hmm. and we were out on the town picking up stuff, and I was like, oh, I need to pick up some beer. So he was like, well, okay, I guess we'll get out of this car and we'll go to the store. Then he got shocked when I was just pulled in through this, uh, essentially a garage. Hmm. And I said, hey, uh, get me a case. And they did. <laughs> He's like, 
You can do that? The Midwest is a beautiful place sometimes. I will just say that. This, feels like, this feels like the reverse of when I told you about Argos. <laughs> <laughs> but back to the show. So they do, uh, they set everyone up. We don't get a lot of Ptolemy in this episode. No, he which, only appears towards the end. And even then, it's I not in a weird particularly active And role. a little disappointing, but mm. that's fine. This, char- this show's done a lot with a lot of good characters. Yeah, I mean, we got a lot of them last week, so it's okay to lean off and refocus elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So, David, trapped in his little glass cage of emotion box thing that uh, the Shadow King put him in at the end of the last episode, is trying to figure things out. And I love how Dan Stevens is sitting there working things out with himself. And yeah. then literally working things out with himself because a British Dan Stevens shows up. It's like, it's such a strange kind of concept that plays into like Dan Stevens casting, and it, like I feel like it's genius in that way that everything's just kind of orientated on like who they have available. Oh yeah. <sighs> so they they sit down and British Dan Stevens, his quote rational mind, because <laughs> frankly that's. that's that's how we think of smart people in film, is if they have a British accent. Whether that's true or not, that's that's the trope, so we're just going to ride with it. Hopefully it's generally accurate. I mean, I interact regularly with one British guy, and he seems okay. So. He does. <laughs> but, you know, David is sitting there, he's in a you know, big, dreamlike auditorium classroom, and he taking chalk and he's writing out every one of his thoughts on this hmm. it's about and, you know, it's about answers and what we know for certain yeah so we get this really cool animated style way to handle it hmm. it actually reminded me a lot of uh if you've seen the movie harry potter and the deathly oh, yeah, hollows I, yeah the one. animation about the brothers yeah and look i'm not a harry potter fan i could go into a lot about why but it just it wasn't part of me growing up, so going back to it as an adult, I was like, this is what everyone's all... Okay, fine, good for you guys. I'm glad you enjoy it. But there's a scene in that movie where they sit down and they say, hey, here's all these magical things from the past, and they tell a story with it, and it turns into this uh, Japanese kind of watercolory animation. And it's mm, it's really, very seamless. Yeah, it's a very visually distinct way of handling that. And they do the same thing here. And it's essentially what we've been talking about for the last two weeks. First is a joke, and then first is, oh, this is where the show's going? Okay. Mm. Uh, where the Shadow King wants revenge on Xavier. Mm. And, it's and so that's where the stuff comes in about the drawing of a man in a suit with a bald head and David being given away. Yeah, it's a really, it's a really visually striking thing. And then he hmm. plays out, oh, wait, hey, Sid made me question literally all of this. Sid made me go, oh, maybe maybe I'm better. Maybe I'm more than whatever this is. And that's what got the Shadow King to really put his plan into motion, and that's where why we're here today. I think the way that it lays it out does kind of show that it's a kind of like a, an easily understandable story, and like, it's not like this needlessly convoluted thing in a way. No, honestly, it felt, this whole thing feels Morrison-esque, because Grant mm. Morrison is known for being a complex comic book writer. 
But if you break down his stories, they aren't. He presents them in a way that is new and different and may throw some people off. He expects the audience to, you know, follow along with him and not handhold them the whole way. Just like this show's done. It's nice. awesome. I'm so glad we're getting stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, if, did I, if I talked on here about how I, about Jonathan Hickman and stuff, or is that something elsewhere? I don't know if you talked about Jonathan no. Hickman and stuff, but I could listen to you talk about Jonathan Hickman and stuff. So at some point, I feel like I've made a comparison to Jonathan Hickman throwing you right into the center of things and there being kind of established character relationships and these very, like, plot-heavy ideas, which you don't necessarily, like, grasp everything at once. But, right, at same, right. but at the same time, he gives you kind of enough information to understand at least, like, some level of what's going on now. And up until now, I've been kind of thinking about Legion in that way. But with you saying Grant Morrison, I think that may actually be a better way of thinking about it. Right. I don't know. Maybe I like the hip comparison. I mean, it's the same general thing either way. Yeah, I think there's just like a slight difference in how they do it. Yeah, so uh, he puts this plan together. He figures out, hey, uh, my parents cared about me, but this is what they had to do. And maybe this is a story he's telling himself. Maybe it's yeah. what David needs to hear right now. Yeah, it's, but it it's a like truth. It's not the truth 80%. still. Right. Like, 80% of the details are right. And the other 20% is what he needs to break out of this box hmm. and become the guy that everyone's going to need him to be. Hmm. So, why they need him to be that hmm. is because the Shadow King has taken notice of all this activity that Carrie and Oliver and Melanie and everyone's doing. Hmm. Because they're all moving back into the real room where, uh, you know, Rudy is, or the eye trapped as Rudy is still shooting bullets at them. Hmm. And uh, everything goes a little quiet again. But not like this silent sequence we had a couple of weeks ago. This turns yeah. into a straight up silent movie. Yeah, with intertitles and everything. You got Oliver, who is in the real world, conducting a shield around David and Sid. To, you know, save him from the bullets. Literally the word shield all around him. And it's like he's composing it and it's set to the music, which I, it's, it's classical music, isn't it? But it's like with an EDM slant. Yeah, it was a remix of something. I for, I know I saw the title. That sounds right. But I looked at the title for like a second and then <laughs> moved away. So I have not retained that information. No. But either way, it's like a... Very anachronistic idea. Because mm -hmm. as you have that going on, you have uh, you have Sid and Carrie running away from the Eye, who's finally caught up with them. The Eye's been chasing Carrie for an episode or so. Hmm. And no sooner does the Eye catch up with them than the Shadow King catches up with all three of them. Yeah. And, and so that obviously throws a spanner into the works. Because they were pretty is, close. This is the biggest straight-up horror thing that Aubrey Plaza has done in this show. Yeah, I and saw someone say real well. I saw someone say Edward Scissorhands, which is quite a fitting oh, yeah. description for her appearance. She's unhinged. She's not even yeah. trying to hold back anymore. And so I, I guess that brings us to Rudy. Yeah, Rudy. Yeah. I felt Who, uh... so bad when Melanie found him stabbed. I was like, yeah. oh, he tried. Hmm. Well, I, I, it felt really tragic there because it's also that he's on, like the cusp of death. Mm-hmm. But 
he like he's trapped there at the moment and the brief flashback involved with him. Yeah, Rudy gets this real touching character moment where Melanie in the real world finds him almost dead. Hmm. Uh, in Clockworks, he's been nearly catatonic. So she's working with him, trying to figure out what's going on, how she can help him. You know, you know how she can help deliver him to the next stage of death, I guess. Hmm. And she whispers something to him in the real world, and it triggers something in the Rudy and Clockworks. Yeah. Because as the Shadow King has Carrie and Sid on the ropes, as the Shadow King has already Raiders of the Lost Ark freaking killed the eye in a very grotesque little thing. Oh yeah, he gets, he gets trash compacted. Yeah, he gets trash compacted in the fake world, and then in the real world you just see blood pouring down his face. Yeah. Until That's it happens very... there. It's a very agonizing process, then. It's not an instant thing. And I'm okay with that, because that guy was a dick. But... Yeah, like, I'm not, I'm not crying over it, but it's still like a... There were better ways that you could have gone. Yeah. So, she has him on the ropes. It's this terrifying sequence. And Rudy jumps in and uses his, you know, all of his last might from living, last breath, to fling himself at the Shadow King... And telepath or telekinetically fling both of them way out of range. It's a very cool hero moment that's got set up for a while. Yeah, it's like it's because he's used his powers up until this point in ways which have benefited. But if he gets like this big dramatic beat to himself now, rather than kind of being in the midst of the chaos. Rudy, we hardly knew you, but we'll always remember you. Mm-hmm. So everyone's set up in clock or in the real world except for David. Hmm. David is running around. He's still a little trapped in his mind. He's doing the whole Doctor Strange, Dormammu, I've come to bargain thing, <laughs> just repeating rooms and rooms and rooms. Hmm. And going, going, going. And then he just says, "Forget it. I'm all powerful, right? Boom! I'm just going to make my way out of here." It's a, it's a very thrilling thing to see because of the fact that we've waited kind of seven episodes to see like a hero moment in a way when he's kind of just like assumed control in this and i like how his hero moment is first to save himself yes david has to establish control over his own body his own mind before he's going to help out anyone Hmm. so he breaks out they flash to the real world the bullets are still in the air they're getting uh, the shadow broken the shield, and David switches places with Sid. So that it looks like he's about to take the bullets, mm. and then he just catches them. He has his big hero moment, something which has been kind of waiting to happen for two episodes, and it like kind of when it hits, and you're unsure if like oh did he get shot? He turns into a big old superhero right there. Yeah. It's the show being the closest to its comic book roots in that moment. Yeah, I, I think an important thing is like the sequence starts with him breaking out of a coffin as well. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's very like he he is a man reborn in a sense through that. So yeah, things look good for our crew. Uh, David uh, using Harry's Ghostbuster device puts it on and traps the Shadow King in the mm, coffin where, where he was trapped. Gets him in there. 
everyone goes back to Summerland. And it's a cool thing. You get a few character beats from everyone. Uh, Melanie and Oliver try and reconnect a bit. Melanie's happy just to have her husband back. Oliver's yeah. a little I mean, bit She takes off when everyone's walking Asian. back to... He, Melanie like runs down into the walk-in freezer and then mm-hmm. finds out that uh, Oliver's body isn't like in the Jules Verne suit. Right. It's it's a good moment. You can tell that they have a relationship and that yeah. she really cares for him, even if she's upset that he was gone for so long. Mm. And she's trying to rebuild that. Everyone's trying to do the best they can. Mm. In a very touching moment, Carrie goes over to fighter Carrie and tries to convince her to you know sit and have breakfast with everyone because you know fighter Carrie doesn't eat. She doesn't do mm. any of that stuff. Carrie handles the boring stuff. And she is pissed off at him because she yeah. needed him and he wasn't there. And it's a very powerful moment. It speaks to the fact that these two have become a weird emotional center for this show. Yeah. Like, it's a beat which kind of in other stuff you'd be like, well, yeah, but he did, like, have to do that to save us all but because of their intense connection. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure the rational carry would say, hey, uh, this ended up helping out everyone and we're all alive thanks to it. But the very emotional side is saying, I don't care. This is not what you promised. This is not what this is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I like so it. That, but... does, that stems from her having been shot as well. Is like When that happened, he was there and they were kind of able to remedy everything really quickly. Whereas she was being tormented by this like, not only the eye with his kind of Terminator-style hunting her down the entire time, but also those entities which weren't there in the zombies. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, yep. it's a situation magnified in that way. Yeah. And everything seems good for everyone. And then it super doesn't. Yeah, it's, it's because... very quick how badly it goes. Yeah. I mean, you're sitting there and you're waiting for the other shoe to drop because you know, we got one more episode. This isn't wrapped mm-hmm. up. This isn't over. Is the Shadow King going to break free? What's going to happen? Uh, then Division 3 shows up? Because yeah. they aren't all dead? No, the interrogator is especially not dead. He's just yeah. slightly singed. With some the interrogator from episode 1 is not dead. He alive. He's just kind of pissed small. off at this point. Yeah, everyone's surrounded by Melanie, Melanie and Oliver back in... No, the Summerland, kind of like the balcony where the breakfast stuff is, but they've been locked down by Division 3, so no one's really away. Yeah. Yeah, the interrogator's just mad. <laughs> He's saying, you know what, let's get David, the rest I don't care about. Hmm. Kill him. So you see David in agony, you see everyone trying to figure out what's going on, and then you see inside his mind, the Shadow King is breaking out. And that's where we leave this. Yeah. It sets up a very exciting finale. Yeah, there's a lot of things which are going to collide almost instantly. I can't wait. I mean, this freaking show is doing in seven episodes what it takes a lesser show forever to get to. I was never as excited in 13 hours of watching freaking Iron Fist than I was in that moment. Hmm. I think one thing also with the fact that the interrogators come back is that 
since the pilot, everything's kind of it's been there. Mm-hmm. Like there are there are very few elements which have been introduced kind of towards the end in like a okay we need to like set this up and fall. Like, you know at most I guess you could say it's Oliver. Right, right. Ah, oh, this show, this stupid show. I'm gonna miss it when it's gone for a while. Yeah, and it is gonna be gone for a while. It's gonna be gone for almost a year. Yeah, which will be sad. But I, I think this episode was a real step up from last week, probably because just more stuff happened. Yeah, I, I saw someone say like, oh, you can kind of treat these as one big one, or like part one and part two. I think even though I. It's kind of like a rever- uh, backwards justification to kind of be like that. That one's like set up for a reason. It does. Yeah. It does demonstrate like how they were meant to function. And I mean, I think we we talked about it last week again, mm. but on a lesser show, the episode last week would have been amazing. Yeah. On it would have been a high concept for them. Yeah, you brought it up, and I 100% agree. If you know the clockworks bottle episode was the second episode of iron fist it would have been it would have taken iron fist to the next level mm. but you know you can see what a show that's worse than legion does with that concept and how it falters with it yeah it's kind of how momentum works like for iron fist it would have been a massive increase in starting to build stuff whereas with legion it kind of s- slowed everything a little bit yeah because Legion's next level. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was a good episode. I really liked it. I'm yeah. real excited for the finale. Mm. I, was like, I got really... Because people have screens and stuff if, they, if they're if critics and they were like, you guys, this episode, and I was like starting to get really hyped for it then because I knew mm-hmm. a couple of them weren't so hot about the last episode as well, and then actually seeing it in the way that it... Like, it, it makes this conclusion feel grandiose and want i want to see it right now but and but it did that like while also dealing with a heavy amount of exposition Mm -hmm. and there was no point where i'm like we've we've been discussing this for a while i'd like to skip through this now and get to other stuff like it's still really enjoyable to watch in that moment as every as all the pieces start to click together yeah so continuing to be way better than it has any right to be Legion yeah. is fabulous. And this episode, I don't think it brought up any new questions. I think it brought up a heck no. of a lot of answers. Yeah. So we know we know who the Shadow King is. I think yeah. we have way more confirmation about what's real and what's not real. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's what we've been saying all along. The memories aren't 100% right. But the stuff that's happening to our characters, that's the real world. Mm-hmm. I think beyond that, we don't get a... I mean, haven't revisited some of the stuff from the beginning, like, you know, what was going on with the kitchen. Part of me uh, thinks that, like, we're just meant to take that as an argument happened. But, I mean, yeah, that's in kind of light of the way that the rest of the season has played out, whereas when we were starting to ask that question, it seemed like they were filling in gaps. I think that's where it's, what's really happening with it. I mean, Mm. we get more saying, hey, the Shadow King's been manipulating his emotions to make things go a little worse than they really should have been. I mean, it's been making people think he was mentally ill for years. So, yeah. you know, I think it's more we were we knew there was there were questions to be asked originally. And what I think part of it's going to be figuring out what to take at face value, what not to. Mm. 
Uh, one of the things, the whole what the stars said, we do find the Shadow King digging more for information. Yeah, he's has about that, that David. Kind of globe room. So, even if it's not explicitly, oh, the stars said X, Y, Z. I feel like that's supposed to be representative of whatever the big mystery about David is. Yeah, that the Shadow we're very King close to uncovering exactly. Yeah, what went down there? I mean. I know we've asked who David's parents are. I feel like we can just say, hey, Charles Xavier's David's dad. Yeah. And nothing against moms as a concept. I would be very surprised if it's somehow different. Yeah, nothing against moms as a concept, but Charles Xavier being David's dad is the important part of that equation. Hmm. So we've got we've got all that. Uh, 30-second recap of this episode, Matt? After meeting up with Oliver, Carrie looks to save Sid and Carrie from their nightmares in Clockworks. David works out that the Shadow King has been the parasite in his mind this entire time with the help of himself and breaks out of his mind just as the others move to save their bodies in the real world. Lenny slash the Shadow King slash Amal Farouk works to try and prevent them from doing this, but Rudy uses his final act to help them. And then with Lenny subdued, the Eye dead, the crew returns to the Summerlands, only for the Interrogator and Division 3 to arrive as the Shadow King is able to break out. Yeah. Good episode. Really yeah. excited to see what happens next. Mm. Do you want to guess like anything which you think is going to happen outside of like the Shadow King obviously is coming back and they'll have to contend with Division Three, or are we just operating in the assumption we have no idea where it's going? I want to believe that we're going to see illusions of his hair, and also we are going to have him. What I can imagine is the last beat, especially knowing that we have a season two coming. At some point, mm-hmm. which is still great yeah. to know. Yeah. I imagine we get a beat where, you know, after the Shadow King is dealt with, David's next goal, his next mission, his season two at least starting place is finding his father. I, mm-hmm. I'm actually, yeah. as the way this show's played out, I know I said, oh, we're going to see Professor X. I don't think we see him in this season. I'm leaning towards you at this point, but not because he couldn't appear or anything, but mm-hmm. because it's going to be a more emotionally satisfying story for David to deal with the Shadow King here, and maybe we get a glimpse of Professor Xavier. I mean, we got the wheelchair. Yeah, I think we may see him in like a Cerebro style thing, or right, or like David and him will have a psychic conversation. Right. I honestly believe the next season would be David needs to find his father. He needs to go into his past. He needs to understand this. I think that's yeah. the next logical step with how the show's been progressing. It's it's a gradual increase. I think what, if you were to then bring in Xavier, you would have people... like If you were to bring him in right at the end of this, then you may have 16 months of people being like, oh, I wonder, like, is it going to be the original five who are somehow like in this? or And like it, it pulls focus away from what the show is. Meant to yeah, be. Th- there's some weird, there's some weird baggage that comes with Xavier. Mm. So, I'd be very interested to see how this show handles it. Mm. But yeah, what about you? Any uh, predictions? Any anything you want to put your you know put your money on? Uh, I, I think there'll be an allusion to the hair. I, I think it's almost there with the mental device around David's head already. Like it kind of allows it to grow straight up. Uh huh. But yeah, I. It's like the one thing which I think we'll get or would like to see. All right. Well, we will see what happens next week. Mm. So until then, Matt, where can people find you? You can find me at Matt underscore Sibley on Twitter and also over on Newsarama 
I th- would expect that next week we'll have something about X-Men Prime. So, uh-huh. for anyone who's looking to jump on, or is curious how that turns out, then I'd find, I'd find it, I'd be hard-pressed to think that we wouldn't have a review or anything about it. Oh, yeah. For anyone who is interested, because this is very close to my heart, all the X-Men books are, like, relaunching, and the first part of that comes out next Wednesday, so that would yeah. be the 29th of March. If you've ever yeah. wanted to read comics, jump on there, because yeah, everything I've seen of... so far has been way better than anyone expected from Mark Guggenheim. So, hmm. and it's also Ooh, a I'm... taster for a couple of the other books as well. So, exactly, it will give you like it will give you a very kind of like ground level if you've never been involved in this stuff, and then a couple of avenues to go down if you want to. Exactly. As far as uh, finding me, you can find me on Twitter at Xavier Files. Uh, that's also the name of my website where I talk about X-Men every week. I actually, uh, just earlier this week, I put up an article about creativity in the X-Men franchise, which I'm real happy with. It's a little oh, yeah, deep that, that in the That was week. phenomenal, by the way. It's literally just me practicing for a, uh, what's it called? A paper I have to do for one of my classes. Like, I have a report on that book, and I really liked that oh, book. okay. So I was like, this, like, as I was reading, it's like, ooh, this could be a really good article, because, uh, yeah, I liked it. But I'm, that's one of the things I've written that I'm very happy with. <laughs> so that went up. Uh, uh, if you really like the show, follow us on Twitter at LegionQuest. That's where all the episodes go up. We talk about new stuff. It's a good time. Uh, if you... I've really been enjoying it and want to help us out a little bit. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Xavier Files. That helps pay for hosting and all this stuff for everything we do. Uh, if you do that, you can uh, help us out just like our newest Patreon, uh, Peter, who runs the website Crushing Crisis, which I'll link to oh, right. I need in to here. Thank him for that. Yeah. Uh, he's freaking great. And he yeah. has the world's most comprehensive reading guides for comics, period. Like, the dude is way too into making sure every single weird 90s miniseries gets counted. Yeah, he has a very extensive knowledge of that stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, until then, see you next week, Matt? Yeah, see ya. Alright, stay weird, guys. Bye. David! David! David. Shall we be?